I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. And welcome to this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman, and joining me in studio today is the executive director of Utah Coalition Against Pornography. Her name is Laurel Arnold, and there's a big event coming up that I'm anxious to get more information from you because this is affecting all of our community members. Laurel, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. So let's talk about the the overall goal of UCAP, and I'll just use that acronym, yep. UCAP, UCAP. Yep, that's what, we, that's what we call it. So the overall goal goal of UCAP is education and awareness. So especially with our children, we recognize that our children are being exposed to pornography long before they are ready for it. They don't have the resources available for them to be able to process what they're seeing and cope with it and make good decisions about it in the future. And so we are trying to do our best to help parents be educated, educators, leaders, community and church leaders. We want all of these people to know what can we do to help our children. And we're going to share some of that in just a bit. But let's. the event is coming up. The precise dates... It's March 28th, which is a Saturday, at the Salt Palace from 9 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Now, you mentioned parents, educators, leaders, anyone whose life touches the lives of children. But it's not just children we're concerned about. We're concerned about ourselves. Absolutely. Adults in our life. Yep. Mm -hmm. And no one is um, immune to the the temptation of pornography. It can be a snare that can affect any of us. For a reason, it's meant to be compelling and meant to draw us in. And so anyone is immune. So we need to be careful and watchful in ourselves, in our marriages, in our relationships. So throughout that day, will there be um, workshops and and breakouts? Let's talk about that. Okay, so we start and end the day with keynote speeches. And our opening keynote speaker is Sharon Eubank, who is the president of Latter-day Saint Charities, well-known in our community and well-liked. And she will be speaking about how to have the conversation that helps us to not have shame, but to open up and talk about this topic. Isn't that an extraordinary topic of of a speech? Because any time we're dealing with sexuality, and in particular, pornography, we are just not, you mentioned children don't have the tools to, to know how to react when they're exposed to it. Most of us don't have the tools to know how to have a healthy conversation so about true. it. It's so true. And then there's the thought, if we can't even talk about it, then how are we processing this in healthy ways? So we're really trying to open that box, not open the box of exposure to everything, open the box of this is not something we need to be afraid of anymore. We actually don't have the luxury of being afraid to talk about sexuality, healthy sexuality, and also about pornography. Do you get pushback, um, Laurel, about, you know, the damages of pornography are being overstated? Absolutely. And And who are you to say to me as an adult what I can and cannot do? We get, you know, sometimes crude comments on our Facebook page and things like that. That's all right. People can just say or think whatever it is they like. We are not in at all interested in removing pornography from the hands of somebody who wants to pursue pornography. If they are an adult, if they are uh, making that choice, that is up to them. We want to make sure they have the awareness to realize what it is that they are choosing to do and the impact it might have 
and we are concerned with protecting our children. Now, I'm sure that you have more of these stats, and we don't even have to share those specific statistics. But when I was talking, I went on a walk with one of my neighbors, and we were talking about the things that she does to try to protect her children. And she was saying, you know, they think that children at the ages of seven and eight have already been exposed. And by the time my child is 17, he or she both have been exposed multiple times to not just pornography, but hardcore pornography, which is, you know, another category Mm -hmm. of, of challenge. And, and shame mm-hmm. and and complication for our own development of intimacy in the future. So It's so true. And the pornography that our young people are encountering now is not what we have in mind, perhaps, about the, the pornography that we may have encountered when we were young. Maybe we're thinking about, uh, you know, a, a swimsuit model on the cover Something of a magazine. Something that was on a penthouse that you might have accidentally... Right. right. And, mm-hmm. and still images. And, you know, maybe we're thinking about a sex scene in a movie. This is not the type of thing we're describing. When our children do a search for pornography, they come up with hardcore, frequently violent, frequently uh, multiple people in one scene, very little storyline, very little respect. It's, it's different from what we may think. And really, children are not ready to cope with that. So as you mentioned that Sharon Eubanks will be giving that opening uh, keynote address and she'll be saying, talking about how to have that conversation without shame. I know I'm, I'm summarizing that. Is it a conversation to have with the other adults in our life, the conversation to have with the children in our life or all above, all of the above? I haven't read her notes yet, yeah. but I'm guessing it will be with all of the above. And especially, you know, as a as myself as a parent, married to my husband, who is the father of my children, he and I need to be having the conversation frequently in order to be able to be on the same team as we talk to our children also. So that is an ongoing conversation in our household. We have five children. The oldest is 20. The youngest is 10. And this is a topic we discuss frequently. And I wanted to say that it's very essential to first talk about healthy sexuality, what it is, what it's for, what a healthy sexual relationship can look like. And then we can talk about how pornography will sabotage that. Mm. And one key word, too, that you've mentioned and that Sharon is addressing is the is the word shame. Yep. And years ago, I attended workshops that were talking about uh, pornography. I mean, this is 18 years ago, 20 years ago on the campus of Brigham Young University. Mm-hmm. And, and some of the researchers there were saying that the way the, the, the emotion shame affects us is it actually triggers us to hide ourselves. Right. And then the more that we hide and obscure our own behavior, the more insipid it, it gets, the more it, it actually can become more compulsive the yes. more that we hide. Is, am, am I correct Absolutely. in that cycle? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So when we feel a desire to hide, then the shame grows, the secrecy grows, and then the compulsion can also grow. And we can, um, I think it, there's a uh, quote that says something about shame cannot withstand sunlight. So bring things to the surface, talk to somebody that we trust, and then we will lessen the ability of pornography to keep its grasp on us. All right. For those of you who joined us, this is our executive director of the Utah Coalition Against Pornography, the event UCAP that is coming up March 28th, which is a Saturday. It is open to community members, parents and educators and leaders to have the conversation about how to reduce um, the exposure of pornography um, for those who are in particular, how can I use that? Vulnerable yes. and are not seeking this out because right. it is so pervasive. A, a, another friend of mine said, you know what? My child told me he read pornography on Goodreads. This yeah. is a website that you would have thought would have been free of exposure, but that it is 
all over the place, isn't it? Absolutely. It's mm-hmm. everywhere. I did want to talk more about what we can expect the day of the yes, conference. So we do. talked about the fantastic keynote we'll have from Sharon Eubank. Following that, then there are three breakout sessions with six classes offered per session. So 18 courses to choose from. Wow. You can choose three out of the 18. And we have six different tracks. There will be a track for parents. There will be one for teens and young people. We want them to come. We have a great turnout from our young people at these conferences because they want the resources and to be armed the same way that the adults do. And we have a, a, a track for couples and a track for somebody who is struggling themselves with pornography. And the fifth track is for the spouse of that person. So what they can do, how they can deal with the effects of pornography in their marriage. And then our final track is action. What actions can we take? So um, one of the three breakout sessions in the action category is one I'm really excited about. We're bringing in a woman from Australia. She lives in Toowoomba, Australia. Her name is Letitia Shelton, and she created an initiative called A City Free From Porn. And she thought, what if we could get our entire city to be a porn-free city. And she engaged with the mayor. They put up billboards. They held a rally on the city hall steps. And I'm so excited. I'm assuming so. Hers is in the action track. Yes. Right. <laughs> Talk right. about taking big action. Yes. Shows the power of what one person can do. Right. Right. When they decide to stand against something that they are concerned about in their community. So those six tracks, can we, if, if let's say that um, I'm someone who has a spouse who, and I'm concerned about my spouse's use of pornography, do I need to stay on that track? No, All you can those, do whatever you I want. can bounce around to the sure. other workshops that are there as well. But you said also for teens, mm-hmm. how extraordinary, what age group are we looking at? You know, we, actually, we don't have an age restriction on who can come to our conference. We would recognize that if it's a child, then they would be with their parent and their parent could use their discretion about which courses would be appropriate for their children. But all ages are welcome. So yes, 13 and up, certainly we have good things for this age group. So one of our speakers, our, actually I didn't say this yet, but our closing co- keynote speaker is Colin Karchner, who's well known talking about social media, especially in our schools. He goes around and talks. And he is he's quite so effective. He's so Ooh, he's dynamic mm-hmm. and people, yeah, teens really respond to him. So not only is he our closing speaker, closing keynote speaker, but he also will be conducting one of our breakout sessions for teens. So they will have information from him directly to them, whereas the keynote, he'll be speaking more generally to the audience. That's extraordinary. Um, The event starts at what time of the day? 9 a.m. All right. Ends at? 4.30 p.m. Okay. In the afternoon, are there breakout sessions as well? So those those three breakout Mm -hmm. sessions bridge between morning and afternoon, and then we end with the keynote session. So that's our day. Two, two, Two keynotes on the ends, three breakouts in the middle. Let's talk about some of the sessions that are particularly targeted towards marriages, for example. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, For instance, um, we have a pair of brothers who are both therapists in this area. Their names are Tyler Patrick and Brandon Patrick, and they are going to be talking about how to rebuild trust and what we can do after a marriage has has faced betrayal related to pornography and what they can do, what types of communication and empathy can help to rebuild that trust. Mm, and how important that is. And in fact, in most of my life, I've encountered individuals that, that have had that experience because pornography is so pervasive. Mm-hmm. So, right, what do we do and how do we move through this and how do we deal with our anger and the feelings of betrayal and all of that? How right. beautiful to have that. When I did invite you, I wanted to be able to also give some takeaways to parents who are um, worried about the effects of pornography on their children. So can we talk a little bit about some of the advice that will be shared? And there'll be a lot more uh, because you said there is a track for parents as well. There is. You know, you said parents who are worried about the effects of pornography on our children. That's not an unfounded worry in our day and age. We know that with 
the availability of the internet to our kids. It is so readily available. We know they're encountering it at a young age, as you mentioned before. So we need to be aware. What what impact does that have? And, you know, some of the studies show that one of the major impacts that pornography has is that it causes people to want to isolate. So it diminishes the connection in their life because they aren't connecting with other people nearly as much. Also, pornography tends to, in relationships, say, when they're adults, it tends to cause people to be less satisfied with their romantic partner. And so they're impaired in their ability to connect as a young person. And then when they grow up and try to have a romantic relationship or a marriage, then they tend to be less satisfied with that person. It's really impairing the ability of our young people as they grow up to have healthy, satisfying, Mm. deep, meaningful Mm. relationships. So that's the why. That's this the is why. why it's so important for us to understand its impact on our children and why it's so important to give tools and strategies to our teens and our young adults mm-hmm. as they're approaching marriage. How is that? Because it's going to affect them differently than a generation before that didn't have this type of pervasive uh, pornography encounters throughout their life. It's really interesting, and I'm sure you're familiar with this, but they're talking about the generation that's growing up with the internet. They're calling them digital natives. Have you heard that term yes, before? Yes, I have. Yeah. <laughs> and we are not digital natives. I did not grow up with the internet. I remember my first email account was towards the end of college. And so it's we're right on this line in history where everyone before did not have the internet, and everyone after will have the internet. And I'm a parent in one, standing in one camp trying to raise my children in the other camp. And how can I be intelligent and wise and guide them well enough that they know how to navigate that. Can we talk about smartphones? Because I think children, by the time they're nine and 10, they're already demanding that they have what someone else has. And and many have access and are using smartphones and then we're going to move that age all the way up. So how, what, what tools do we have? What should we know about this? Great question. Um, it's hard to keep track of all the things that there are available for us. There's always new apps, new filters, new parental controls, all of these things coming. So I have a couple of things to say about that. First of all, we will have a tech help station at our conference where people can bring their devices and have an expert help them to download parental controls and filters, whatever they want on their actual devices. Wow. Okay. So now I'm, I'm imagining myself still with my children back at home because they're out now and I've gathered their phones yep. <laughs> in addition to my phones and we're right at that tech help. Yep. And then they can help me load on what I think, what they are advising. Right. Okay. Right. So they can even talk mm-hmm. you through, here are some of the options. Here are the free options. Here may be an app you want to download. These are some things that you have and then they'll help you to download them. Um, I don't know if you know, but iOS, uh, the iPhone has a really great screen time parental control feature that a lot of parents just don't know about. No. So for and instance... I'm iOS. I'm looking at this. <laughs> Teach me. So I have an iPhone and some of my older teenagers have iPhones and I have access through my phone. I can see what they've been doing and when on their phones. And also I can control whether they have access to YouTube or to internet browsers. I can lock down access to the app store, things like that. I can control, but we just don't know to do it. It's right there. It's not necessarily completely simple, but it is doable for anyone, especially if we Google how to do it, right? Mm-hmm. So YouTube, now you have YouTube a bunch of people right now who are listening and they say, well, iOS parental controls. Mm-hmm. So there are things like that. Parental controls tend to be built into almost all of the devices that are coming out now. Some are better than others, of course, but they're recognizing that parents want this. And so they're providing that. And then there are lots of third-party 
programs, things that we can use to observe what our children are doing, things we can use to lock out access to things. I have an app on my phone that lets me turn off my children's apps whenever I want, whichever apps I want. Talk about power. Yeah. <laughs> you know Ooh, what? Yeah, I hear but it from we, them. But we had it. Yes. But we did have a conversation. Um, and and that's this is related directly to what you're saying is one parent was saying, well, you know, I don't want to invade my child's privacy. And uh, another parent had said to me, but if your child was running into a busy street and there were a lot of cars that could hit him or her, would you not want to protect them? Mm-hmm. And so we're talking about putting tools in place to protect children from things that are really damaging. Right. 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 So and you, it's not only pornography. There's so many things online that they're just not ready right? to cope with. Sure. sure. Social media, things on social media, violent content, all of that. We can protect our children from that. I feel like as as a parent in my household with my children on a phone that I bought, I have the right to have some say over what they're exposed to and what they're not. Well, and I'm glad you you brought that up, too, because even as adults, since we were not digital natives, we don't even know how to react when we're seeing negative things online. Sure. It, it's just not a skill that we have developed. And so we're working on on that. So that we'll, we'll learn more and more trip. Uh, tips and suggestions on what things we can implement Mm -hmm. in our home. One of my neighbors, she just has the kids give the phones to her by 10 p.m. at night. Right. And then returns them in the morning. Absolutely. We we actually bought a safe for our electronics. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Right. So there are all these different things we can do. So that's one of the main ways that we can mitigate the harm of pornography in our children is just at least postpone access, right? Postpone the first time that they're going to encounter it. My sister-in-law likes to say, I just kick the can down the road. I know they're going to run into it. But what if I give them two more years of brain development before they run into it? Right. And I'll offer this. What if you give them uh, honest conversations about healthy sexuality and create the bridge of trust from the time they are young throughout their teen years so that they feel like they can talk with you and understand healthy sexuality? Then you've kicked the can down the road so that when they see this and are exposed to it, which they will be, Mm -hmm. they can put it into context and understand it. I love that. So I I agree. So one thing we can do is limit their exposure. Another thing we can do is prepare them for the inevitable exposure. And so one of the things we can do that you just mentioned is I can teach my children that I am their first and best source to have their questions answered regarding every topic, but especially about sex, because if I'm not going to be the person they turn to get get their questions answered about sex, who is? Their friends? At the cafeteria. Google? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's not my first choice for them. So I want them to know that they can talk to me. I will talk with them. They can talk to me. There's not going to be a huge overreaction. I'm not going to be shocked by any question they ask. I can be a safe person. I read a a document once that said, are you a safe adult? Are you a trusted adult? Because we always tell our children, talk to a trusted adult. So how can I make sure I am that trusted adult? And you can answer that question because you read the article. I did. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things I can do to make sure I am a trusted adult is to show my children through small things they do that I am not going to be harsh, punitive, and blaming. I can hold my children accountable for sure. That's actually part of being a trusted adult is holding them accountable. But I don't need to make my reactions larger than what the situation so calls for. So it sounds to me it's almost like a parental Richter scale. I think and so. so that if, in small things, you you quake really largely, they're, they're going to avoid having conversations with you about the small and the big things. Right. But if you show a pattern of being able for them to be able to say, I just broke the dining room chair mm-hmm. and I'm really sorry about that. You're going to have a quake. But if you're not all the way up, you're giving them a, a chance to go, okay, that was a safe experience. Now I've got something else to share. I can trust the reaction. Right. 
Right. Mm. So not only is it not overreacting, but it's also showing that I I have resources that you may not have. I am available here to help you. I like to, this is what I try to implement in my own parenting. I like to let my children lead out and say, this situation happened. What would you like to do? How would you like to go forward? And how can I support you in that? Mm, that is really quite beautiful. And again, for those who have just joined us, we have about uh, five minutes left with Laurel Arnold. She's the executive director of the Utah Coalition Against Pornography. Coming up on March 28th is an open event to the public at the Salt Palace Convention Center. Starts at nine in the morning. Ends at five? Did I? 4.30. Oh, just about That's all that. right. Where will people go to get, are there tickets? I mean, how yep. do we access this? So we try to keep our ticket price low, but we do need some tickets to come in so that we can help to fund the conference. It's $20 for an adult and $10 for a student under 25 years old. Is that the door? At the day of the conference, it goes up by $5. Okay. So if you want to register now, you can get it at the cheaper price. Our, our website is utahcoalition.org and all the information about our conference is there, including who our speakers are, what the topics are, what the day schedule is. Utahcoalition.org. Yep. So looking for that. We have a few minutes left together. What are some of the thoughts you have, Laurel, about the importance of getting information into our lives and having these conversations at events like UCAP? So I I have several thoughts. And if we're going back to as a parent, what can I do? One of the main things that I have a responsibility for as a parent is to gather accurate information so that I can then share that with my children and also form an appropriate strategy for teaching my children and guiding them through this process. So if I'm too scared to talk about it, what are the chances my children are going to come talk to me about it or that we're going to be able to have ongoing conversations? In fact, they, uh, the recommendations now are no longer to have the talk. I don't know if you've heard that before. You know, the talk. Yes, absolutely. And we were, I tried to have the talk when I was little. And right. I remember my mom shut that door. Right, exactly. <laughs> Generationally. It was generational. And of course, it's a, you know, when we know better, we do better. And right now we do know better that having the one and only talk or shutting down questions is not going to be the most helpful way for our children to guide them through. So instead, we can have ongoing conversations starting when they're very young, very young. We can say things like, as soon as they're old enough to ha- hold a device and you know swipe through things, we can say, if you ever see a movie with somebody with no clothes on, come and tell mom and dad. Things like that. We can use um, correct anatomical terms for body parts so that children can feel comfortable talking about what's actually there. Removing the shame, being honest about our bodies. And then as we get older, we just start to talk about healthy body image. We can start to talk about bodily autonomy, good touch, bad touch. And we can start to talk about the basics about healthy sexuality, relationships, things like that. And then as they get older into teen years and older, then we can start to be more and more specific. I think we need to not be afraid of being specific because that's where our children will really trust us. Well, and I appreciate that. I wanted you, and you've done a beautiful job talking about the type of information we can empower ourselves with as parents. And I know that listening right now is someone who feels trapped. Right. And and so can we just for another minute or two talk about what resources might be there for someone who's feeling shamed and um, guilty and trying to figure out how am I going to get my life back where I am not um, using this as an addiction, addictive tool? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting you use that word trapped. I've thought about that word a lot because there have been times in my life where I have felt trapped. And I've realized for me, that's the emotion that I like the least. I hate that feeling. I'd rather be angry. I'd rather feel physical pain. I'd rather be hurt. But feeling trapped like I have no options is a devastating place to be. And so I do want to emphasize that we're talking about this hard topic, but our focus is hope. There is hope. We are not stuck. We are never meant to be in a world where we can't 
improve and change our lives for the better. And there are wonderful resources available. We have uh, 32 booths available with experts who come and offer programs or products or whatever it is. So there are lots of those Counseling, types of therapy yes. ideas on how to help us move through right these. books for children, uh, jewelry. I mean, all sorts of things will be there, you know, for support and help for people. And then also all of our experts who will be speaking at the conference are open and available to talk to these people. So, um, so for instance, on our track for someone who's dealing with pornography for themselves, uh, one of our speakers there is a young pastor from Toronto who recently got married and has decided that this is a topic that he needs to tackle. He's dealt with his own issues with pornography in his life, and he's speaking now about how he has overcome that and given guidance. We have another team of two men speaking who, t- who together have worked through uh, recovery th- from pornography addiction, and they are talking to men about how these men can support their wives as they're healing from the trauma of the betrayal. Mm. All excellent information. Laurel, I am so honored that you would come and spend this time with us and share this uh, powerful, life-changing information. The event is called UCAP, U-C-A-P, for the Utah Coalition Against Pornography. You can get your tickets at utahcoalition.org. That's the least expensive way to do it. Or get them at the door on March 28th at the Salt Palace Convention Center. It opens at 9 a.m. Get there a little earlier to make sure you're in seat for that keynote address. And the tickets will be a a little bit more same Laurel Arnold, the executive director of UCAP, thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. Thank you so much.